it's Sally here. Just a quick one, just a quick one. If you like this really sweary podcast by Kalechi, sorry, Kalechi, do remember to rate and review Say Your Mind on Apple Podcasts, okay? Now for the very urban intro music. <laughs> it's the Ben's Punani woman, it's baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are gonna sip it, yo. Our time's calling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you Cause I know that I wrote these guidelines And it kills me inside To know that I would rather be playing outside I just feel like crying I don't want to do this anymore I don't want to be the reason why People can't step outside their door I think I'll go for a secret drive I don't want to stay in anymore Oh well, if people have to die I guess I'll have to be a murderer Yeah! (laughs) Well, 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 well Whoa, whoa, that was, wow, Kalechi, moment of inspiration. Do you know how that came about? I didn't have a song for today. Like my whole schedule has just been messed up today on a Sunday. Usually I have like my set routines, but everything was just topsy-turvy and topsy-turvy and higgy-hagger. So I hadn't prepared a song, although I had all my notes and everything for what, um, you know, the topics I wanted to discuss. I hadn't prepared a song and... I just sat down to record and I just thought of Rihanna unfaithful and decided that in the moment I would just try a ting. Um, and you know, the ting, the ting worked, the ting banged. (laughs) So anyway, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome. It is I, Kalechi in the place to be. Welcome to another episode of SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, suck your mum. Wow. So I'm here, you know, and uh, big up to all my new listeners, like um, the percentage of people that are now listening from the US of A is actually a bit mad, very mad. Um, But welcome. Hi guys. Oh my God. Welcome. Um, but yeah, welcome, welcome to everybody. Um, another week for us to talk the things. Um, oh, I don't even know where to begin. As usual, I went for my run. My run was a bit ugh, today. I don't know. I just not in the mood. Just not in the mood. Uh, I think it was because there was just so much to choose from in terms of subjects for today that made it rather overwhelming because it's like literally everybody's moving mad. I think that. We know that Venus uh, was uh, was retrograded. I think it still is, or maybe it's not. And then Mercury is going to go retrograde. And it's just so much happening. And oh, Neptune is squaring with this man and that man. And everything is just wild. And you're just like, why are you bringing astrology into it? But honestly, if you consider the fact that we're mainly made up of water, like we are made of the same stuff 
that makes up the universe. So anything that's happening as to what we perceive to be out there uh, will affect us. So those of you who are like, oh, I don't really understand astrology. It's un- oh, I don't. Yeah, it's okay to not understand it, but to like dismiss it is a bit mad because if you can feel the heat of the sun, think of how many many million um, miles away the sun is. You can still feel that heat, but somehow you don't think that you can feel the effect of the other planets. It's just a bit. So, um, yeah, lots of things are happening. And I just know that for myself personally, as an Aries rising, like my sending sign is Aries, that I am prone to misconstruing things and getting in my feelings and wanting to cuss people out. So I'm just being very kind of careful with my relationship with social media and communicating with people at the moment, just so I don't end up like wiling out. So yeah, but that's by the by. Anyway, let's get into the tarot because I want to keep this cute and short and sweet because it could easily be three hours and I don't want it to be. So I'm trying to actually do it in boom an hour and leave it there because I know that you've all got things that you do now during your quarantine ting times. So the first card that came out in the tarot um, this week, the tarot pool, is the Eight of Wands. So I'm using the Kaleidodope deck by Crystal Banner um, this week again. And I've also pulled a card from the Tarot of the Orishas and one card from the Say Your Mind Affirmation card deck. I'm so glad actually that so many of you are excited about the new deck of cards coming out. Like I said, it's very, very different to the first deck. Um, It feels more grown. I feel like as I've grown in my spiritual understanding of various things, I've um, channeled some of the messages and to just bring them to you. And yeah, it's very, it's much more grown um, and I love it so much. And I can't wait for you to experience it with me. And I love all the guesses about how many decks I'll be releasing. You're going to laugh when you actually hear what I'm planning to do. (laughs) But um, yeah, so whatever. Anyway, eight of wands, eight of wands. Now, the way that I pulled these cards is that I was working with a past, present, future um, intention because I've listened to a few podcasts this week. And it's the feeling I get is that a lot of people are struggling with using this time. Not all the time. They're not struggling all the time, but then there are those moments where it's just like, oh my God, this is wild. This has never happened before. What is going on? And so their mind starts to just like do the most. And I think one thing to understand is that this podcast is called Say Your Mind. Definitely say it, but you are not your mind. Like the being, the presence that you are far exceeds any human understanding and any human um, kind of expectation or confinement through expectation. Like you are so much more than that. Like you are like a spark you are literally a spark of the divine and your mind is just part of how you kind of interact with this world that we find ourselves in this physical realm. That's how you interact, but to let your mind take the lead and and just do whatever it likes will always have, um, you know, adverse effects is it would, it will always be that way. So unless, um, we're able to kind of remember who we are, 
and then know that our mind is a useful tool, but that's literally what it is. The mind is a useful tool for how we navigate this physical realm, but it should not be the only thing that um, is in control. It shouldn't even really be in control at all. Um, so it's to bear that in mind, um, because the mind can do so many, so many things, so many interesting things because, or, you know, the mind as we perceive it, because it, um, it bolsters the ego. It's one and the same with ego. And therefore it's one and the same with, you know, time and space as a construct, because really there is no such thing really as time. Um, but you know, so all of these things rely on each other to keep going. And if you were to stop identifying with your mind and thinking like this, my mind is in control and it's going to do whatever it likes with me. Oh my God. Um, if you were to stop identifying with it, then um, your ego would really have no place, no hold. And so many things that you hold dear would, you'd actually see just how transient they are and how they have like literally no value. Um, and the things that do have value aren't really things that you can see with your physical eyes. So, um, bearing all of those things in mind, when you now go back and look at kind of like spiritual texts and things like that, which is what I'm doing, you actually see that a lot of the things that are described, um, I don't know, like maybe in revelations and things like that, when people talk about Armageddon and things like that, the real fear that we're actually projecting into these situations is a death of the ego, because this catastrophe that we see and everything on what would happen is, um, to help us or to kind of aid us in, um, or trick us into um, catastrophizing a future that hasn't happened yet. So there's always a need for the ego when actually to just stay present, stay in the moment, you know, surrender to the moment and see just how little your mind, um, you know, can dictate any of what's going on. It just makes things a little bit easier so, like I said, we're saying our mind, but we're not our mind. You know, we are not the mind, you know. So just bear that in mind. You are a being, you are a presence that that far transcends and far supersedes the mind. Um, so yeah, I mentioned that because eight of wands is kind of like the past position that we found ourselves in. And I'm thinking about the past in terms of what's been happening with quarantine and everything so far. So many messages have been coming in, like probably having so much time alone with yourself um, in some situations, or maybe um, being in confined spaces, for instance, with family has brought so many feelings and thoughts and um emotions and, and grievances and everything to the fore. And it's really difficult to know what to do with all of this, all of this, uh, you know, debris, I would call it. All of it is there. You don't know where to go with it. Everything is just coming to the surface and it's made um, this isolation process or this period so hard for quite a few people. Now, why I want to celebrate, uh, celebrate you is because even if you haven't found a way through, as it were, for now, what has happened is that the six of swords is in reverse. So I think what has happened, so how I'm reading this today in this particular Paul, is that the six of swords in reverse has come out, which is to say that you don't want to kind of run away anymore. You don't, you, you're not disassociating from self. You're not like trying to run away from your emotions anymore. You're not trying to run away from the situation. Actually, you are trying to be honest with yourself. Um, 
and you know I had the episode time to tell the truth and I think that that inspired a lot of people to consider their truths and you know why they're not telling it or how they're telling it so I get the feeling that this six of swords in reverse is you kind of going, I'm not running anymore. I'm not running from the fact that this particular person keeps like um, disrespecting my boundaries. I'm not running from the fact that this happened and I didn't say anything and I repressed all of these emotions. Um, I'm not running anymore. These are my feelings like, you know, why do I like to buy all of these things? Why do I like to do all of these um, things? Why do I like to be petty in this way? All of these things you you're now addressing, you're now sitting down with yourself and actually going, you know what, I'm ready to look at my life and the way that I can make these things different. And I'm understanding that the things that I'm seeing and um, seeing externally are literally um, a project, a projection of the things that are happening internally. Like I'm starting to understand that and I'm deciding to work on myself from the inside in order to affect how I deal with the things that happen on the outside. So I just think that it's wonderful that you've, you've gotten to that point. It's not easy. And this isn't the end of the road. Although we've come to the, Oh, that note was going to be so high. I think I would end up weeing myself. So I'm not going to go there, not going to go there. But as I was saying, um, yeah, you've decided not to run anymore. And I think that that's amazing. You've decided to kind of sit with the feelings, try to understand where they're rooted within your body. And I'm not talking about your physical body, but you're trying to find out where they're rooted in your body and work through it. And I think that that is a commendable thing that you're doing. It is scary. Yes, it is scary, but you're doing it and big up yourself for doing that. And the future card, so past was eight of wands, present was six of swords in reverse. And um, page of coins is the future saying that because you've done this, watch how the life that you've envisioned for yourself is now able to manifest. It's now able to come to fruition. It doesn't even have to be anything grand. Like you might just, for instance, just want your own space, you know, want your own flat or you, 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 you want your own business. I don't know. You just, you want your own room. Fucking hell. Like just, you just want something. You just want a piece of this world, this life to call your own. And because you've made this um, brave decision, this courageous decision to kind of like meet yourself and to see all the places that you're hurting and have hurt and work through them, you're now making space for the life that you ultimately, the life that you do deserve, the, the things that you've always wanted, but there wasn't really space for it to come through because of everything else that was happening. And you kept running, you know, you kept running away. You were like, I want this thing. I want this thing in my life. I'm setting this into intention. I want this thing in my life. Whoop, the thing is coming, run away. Um, and you've decided to stop running. So that's wonderful. The card from the Say Your Mind Affirmation card deck is my food is seasoned and so is my life. Those who season their food know to expect the bre uh, the, the breast, <laughs> the breast. Me the trigger of, sorry, no. Um, my food is seasoned and so is my life. Those who season their food know to expect the best from life. If there are any areas of blandness in your life, add your unique spice to it, create a life that tastes amazing. And that is exactly what you're doing. You know, the six of swords in reverse is you identifying the areas of blandness 
in your life and being like, no, colors of the world, spice up your life. Every boy, every girl, and binary, spice up your life. Ah, uh, crumble to the left if you've got some Maggie. Crumble to the right if you've got some. Yeah. I don't even know if you should be using Maggie. It's got mad ingredients in it. Mm. But you get what I mean. It's not literally Maggie. You can use other things to season, um, as I do. I love experimenting. But back on to the subject, what I was saying. Gosh, my mind. Um, <laughs> my mind. Interesting. We just talked about that. Um, you've identified the areas of blandness because of the time that this um, situation is kind of brought about for you and you're now making decision the decision to spice up those areas and it's nothing like major you don't have to go overboard with spice because some people like to do that and the food is just mad like the food is mad and nobody can eat it because it's just a sea of fucking um you know smoked paprika like everything's mad yeah so no one's saying to go overboard and I don't get the sense that you are going to go overboard with this like you know about the subtlety you know about you know how to kind of build flavor layers of flavor you know how to do that you know what um accompanies uh, you know this thing and that thing and it's basically you know a metaphor for life like you know the areas and just how much of you to bring into each of those areas to give it you know, your, your personal touch, you're aware now. And because of that, watch everything start to flourish for you or to flourish even more for you, because you're, you're doing great. You're doing great, great things. And you should be proud of yourself. The other card from the Tarot of the Orishas, just to confirm this is the two of air. And I'm a Libra and I can see my Libra sign just here as well. And I can see Venus there as well. It's really cute. Really cute. It's that Gemini there as well. Interesting. Anyway, so two of air, we see two swans on the lake um, in between kind of like reeds and a clear sky with some, it's just beautiful. And they basically form kind of like this heart shape, but there's like a symmetry. So talking about when I mentioned earlier about, you know, your internal world being projected outwards um, to your external world, you you're now able to because of the reverse six of swords energy you're now able to realize the things that are being reflected back to you that you don't that doesn't sit with your higher spirit that doesn't sit with you sit well with you and you know that you want it to be more peaceful you want it to be different and so you're now working at the things that need to be done to make that difference so two of swords would really be what this card is the two of air um, you're not closing your eyes really to any of that anymore, but you're also, because when you think about the Rider Waite traditional, uh, the traditional deck, you see a figure that's got two swords across their chest and they've got a blindfold on. And I just think that that blindfold in a way in this situation specifically is also a way of you not letting the outside world, like you've done in the past with the eight of wands, you're not letting the outside world dictate to you who you are any longer, whether it's family members, because woof, sometimes that is the fucking hardest when you've got people who are close to you, whether it's family members or really, really good friends that maybe you've outgrown or relatives or just partners, whoever. You've got people who are of a close proximity to you who are still saying things that aren't a reflection of your true self. But because they're so close to you, there's that part of you that's just like, oh, maybe they're telling the truth. Maybe I am like this. Maybe I am like that. So the blindfold, when I think about the traditional deck, is a way of you going, no, 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 no. I refuse to see the image that they keep trying to 
portray of me and I'm trying going to see myself properly and so when we've got the swans on the water in this particular deck that is you going internally to see who you truly are you're not no longer using your physical eyes you're going internally to look at yourself and to discover who you truly are and not run away from who you truly are um, and build a relationship there so then that relationship can then be symmetrical with the relationship that is then kind of projected onto the outside world so it's a major thing that you've taken on but you're doing it in small small steps and that's all that can be asked of you and I just think it's wonderful that you're doing that so that's the cards. those are the cards for this week I'm moving to share your magnificence because I am rather excited by this my share your magnificence first and foremost has to be Portia Portia has written into the show a number of times and she's just a massive supporter of the show and I really really appreciate her but one thing that she did that really um that really warmed my heart because I'm a sensitive person. And sometimes when people move mad, I can become really kind of preoccupied with wanting to set them straight. And I've had to make peace with the fact that it's okay for people to just not get you, to just not like you, because it's actually, it's never been about you. It's never, ever been about you. Even if they claim that it is, you've got to leave people to it. So it is really heartwarming when I see myself being celebrated on other platforms. So long story short, Portia was on um, an Instagram live with um, Kimberly Foster, who is the creator of For Harriet, um, a really, really brilliant platform um, about, you know, celebrating black womanhood. And it's just, it's just wonderful. It's how I feel like things should be done. I really am inspired by the work that Kimberly is doing. So to kind of see myself being mentioned um, because of Portia. Portia was on this Instagram live with Kimberly and she was just like, oh, and then Kelechi said, da 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 Kelechi, who's Kelechi? Well, Kelechi's got a podcast called Say Your Mind. Uh, well, it's officially called Say Your Mind. It's unofficially called Suck Your Mum. Um, and, you know, it just means a lot. I know that numerous people talk about me in their various spaces and I, you know, I really, really appreciate it. But just to see that I... Ah, oh, it just did something to me because this is someone who's never heard of me and probably wouldn't have heard of me for a while had it not been for Portia going, oh, hey. So I just have to big up Portia as just like a real light worker doing her, you know, bringing her piece of light into the world wherever she can. Like you could have been talking about a multitude of other things and you decided to mention me. And I, again, I've got to kind of realize then the duty that I have by making this podcast and making these episodes, the fact that people are taking from it and, you know, absorbing things and energies and things like that. And to just make sure that it's one that, um, gives people courage to go out, go out in the world and just live their fullest lives. So yeah, like big up yourself, Portia, two slaps on your chest and don't worry, we'll be in a film together soon. I know we will. Sorry, I just had to have a little bit of my um my punch there. Uh I ordered this jerk box from Rum Kitchen because they can't the restaurant can't open at the moment. They've done these boxes where you can buy everything and cook it at home. Like they've done all the seasonings and everything. Like I season incredibly well, but I just thought this will be cute. Um my 
my house with a massive garden where I can barbecue things. It's on its way to me. It hasn't yet arrived in to, in front of my physical eyes, but I know it's close. And when I have it, watch the barbecues that I'm going to be throwing down. Every Everybody's going to fall down. Not from food poisoning, obviously. <laughs> Just from the flavors. But yeah. Um, so I'm drinking a, a punch that's called, uh, that's got Appleton signature, Appleton rum. Is it Appleton rum? Um, it's got that in it and some other things it's called jam rock punch. Talking of jam rock, I didn't get to see the beanie man and, um, bounty killer versus, uh, that was on the other night, but I knew I had to get up early for my run today. So I didn't want to do a recreation of last week where I was really, whew, I felt that, so I had to go to bed. Anyway, actually get to the Magnificence. What's wrong with you, Colette? Yeah? Just read the fucking Magnificence, honestly. Um, So this show, Magnificence, is from Portia. Says, hi, Kalechi. Thank you for another poignant episode. The segment about different accents really struck a chord with me. As you know, I've lived in the US for quite some years and my time hasn't been short of madness. I recently wrote about my experiences for Medium, the platform, um, if uh, the uh, level, if you're interested. So I'll post the link if you want to read uh, Portia's piece because I read it and it's brilliant. If you decide... Um, to share my article on your podcast. Please also thank the 20-something-year-old baby girl who emailed in last week. Hearing how she speaks up for her mum inspired me to do better about speaking up for myself. There you go. Um, for Shea Magnificence, I'd like to nominate Kimberly Foster as the founder of For Harriet. She puts out compelling, well-researched content that covers everything from film and TV critique to backlash against Blue Ivy. Her take on these topics is a sigh of relief from the emotionally charged, arrogant hyperbole that's often online. Like you, she's unapologetic about her blackness and encourages her subscribers to read bell hooks. While I've been watching her YouTube content for years, I recently subscribed to her Patreon and regret not doing it sooner. Each video has challenged my perspective on the world we live in while giving great insight um, insight from her subscribers. For anyone who's able, I encourage them to do the same. Thank you for providing some sense of normality during these ashy times. I hope I'm lucky enough to buy a deck of the new affirmation cards when they're released. Okay. I wasn't aware of For Harriet before Portia mentioned me on it. So Kimberly and I did not know of each other. And I just think that that is absolutely mad. Like, I just think it's mad. To see what she's doing is so inspirational to me. Like I, to see what she's doing and to see the community that um, Kimberly has created um, is just, it's fantastic. Like I don't use the term good vibes regularly, but Kimberly strikes me as somebody that just has good vibes. Like the conversation we had was wonderful. And you know what else I really enjoyed about that conversation? is that she had done her research beforehand. So it was just like, it was a conversation that moved us forward. I felt like I was able to freaking talk about other things because she'd already done the research on the things that I'd done before. And anything she was asking me was just to kind of set the tone or set the environment for her viewers and her listeners. So then we can move on and have um, um, a, a more broad 
conversation. And I just greatly appreciate it. I really dislike when people want me to be, they want to interview me for something or they want me to talk on their podcast or on their show or whatever. And then it's a case of, oh, so tell the, uh, my audience about yourself. Fam, that is something that you should have done before you told me to come on here. Like you should have done that. Like that should have been part of your intro. That isn't for me to be doing for you, you know? So I love the fact that it was more of a case of, um, the first question was, you know, how did the podcast come about? And that isn't, um, I don't think that that's, that's really out there, out there like that. So it was great to chat to her about how um, everything came about and then have other conversations like, you know, challenging conversations and discuss things. And yes, I, it's the first time I finished um, a chat with someone and thought, you know what, I could talk to her for another five hours. No problem. Like we could just talk about everything. That is a sign of a great interviewer. That is a sign of somebody that's just got good vibes that you can have a conversation. So this is a tip. Like if you're just going to have people on your show and things like do your research before, so then you can actually have a fuller conversation, not getting them to repeat something that they've said 50, 11 times already is so boring and it's so frustrating. And also do your research as the things that they will and won't talk about, because some of you will, Oh, I really want you to come on my podcast. And then you'll bring up something that I've made clear that I don't want to talk about. Or like something will be on the internet and I, you know how I feel about certain people and certain platforms from my, from my episodes already. So then don't tag me in things when those same platform or people are going, oh, who do you think we should speak to that's black and British? Don't fucking tag me. Don't fucking tag me. You know, it's about really kind of knowing the subject and knowing your subject and who you want to speak to and what you want to bring out of that conversation with them. And she could have asked um, different questions that would have kind of portrayed me in a different light. But this was about letting me talk my shit and like, letting me bring what I know to the table from a black British perspective. And I really enjoy it. I love that. I love that that is something that um, a black American woman is doing and it is thriving. So just big up Kimberly Foster, not just from Portia, but from myself, like you're a real, real baby girl. You're really out here doing bits and you're doing bobs and, and I rate it and I see it and I love it. So two slaps on your chest, Kimberly. And Portia, you mentioned the card deck. So I just want you to know that when the cards come out, I will gift that uh, one deck to you. So there'll be a, a deck for you, Portia, that's gifted to you because you have been just constant in your support of this podcast, constant in, you know, getting my name into various places. I got an email from LA um, a few weeks ago asking me to do something. It didn't pan out in the end, like I wasn't um, selected for the thing, but I truly believe that for my name to have ended up in Hollywood and me to be asked to do this thing, I think that you mentioned me somewhere, Portia, and then that person took it upon themselves to be like, yeah, I'm going to reach out to this black British woman and see Wagwan. Um, this Nigerian baby girl. So thank you. Thank you for the places that you take my name to. Not every day, just go and say my name in shit places and be talking shit about me. Like, like actually take my name and celebrate me and like, let me glow up, please. So yeah, thank you, Portia. Deck of cards on me. I appreciate you. Okay, moving on from Share Your Magnificence then, because you, you know and I know that there are numerous wild things that have been happening this week and I cannot get through them all. I'm not going to speak about Doja Cat, not really. Um, boy, I don't even know if I can really be bothered to speak about Lana Del Hay. Um, 
you know, Elizabeth. I, I don't know if I can be bothered to speak about Elizabeth, to be honest, as in Lana. Um, there's just so much, so much happening. So I've just kind of filtered it down to things that I... Uh, I just think I filtered it down to things that are like British and Nigerian for today, because it's just too much. If you try and cover everything, I mean, and then I saw Joe Biden, you know, saying that if you vote for Trump, you're not black. And then there's a whole discussion to be had about that and how weird it is that a white man would be dictating who is black and who isn't. And then black people are out there defending him like, oh, but, you know, I'll say what he said then. What are you going to say to me? Well, I'll say the same thing to you. Like you trying to dictate other people's blackness by who and what they vote for is a bit mad. Like they can be a wayward black person, but they'd still be a black person within the confines of this construct that's been created for this very reason of oppression. But I just feel like that is not my um, place to speak on for, for, to, for this week. Like there's just too much happening there. Um, so I'm going to start with, for So You Mad, I'm going to start with um, Agatha Christie's book, 10 Little Nigger Boys. 10 Little Nigger Boys. Fucking wild title. Agatha uh, Christie is this writer that is, um, Poirot is Agatha Christie as well, isn't it? So, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that in a very African way. Agatha. Agatha. Agatha, come here. Sorry. Um, so the book is on Amazon. Now, Amazon have said that they've taken it off. Like they are not selling it as Amazon, the store, that they're not selling it, but they're sellers. They do have sellers on there who are still selling this book. And people have been complaining about the fact that, like, Ra, you took Hitler's Mein Kampf off Amazon. So why would you be leaving a book that's literally called 10 Little Nigger Boys? Like, that is a problem. But again, I just think that this just comes down to how people feel when it comes to things to, that impact black people. When it's other protected characteristics in other communities, people be like, oh my God, this is wrong. This is wrong. Never forget, never forget. Like, this is wrong. And they'll speak about that. But then when you bring up things that have not been addressed properly um, or, um, you know, efficiently or empathetically, people will be like, oh, no, 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 that's in the past. Let it go now. Let it go now. We don't need to be speaking about those things. Why is there still a book called Ten Little Nigger Boys? And even the drawing on the front cover is basically like minstrels, like it's horrendous. It's, are, they, are these boys gollywogs? Like, it's terrible. And yet it's still able to stay. Till this day, I've got a um, uh, picture on my phone of Julie Andrews. I think it's Julie Andrews. Uh, Judy Garland. Sorry, Judy Garland. Sorry, Julie Andrews. Judy Garland, who plays Dorothy in the classic Wizard of Oz, of her in blackface. And I keep that picture on my phone just because, because it's just always a reminder that people haven't stopped moving mad. And this was like their their main form of entertainment, you know, and suddenly people come along and go, we want rights. We want rights. Treat us fairly, treat us properly. So things were not allowed to be kind of like a broadcast anymore. And a lot of people I think are still in their feelings and they miss it under the, in the reviews of this 10 little nigger boys on, um, Amazon, you can still see that people are writing, oh, I bought this for my grandfather because he lost his old copy. Are you a fucking idiot? Are you a fucking idiot? Are you a prick? So you're, in fact, 
I think it was the ancestors that took your grandfather's copy away and they burnt it all. That's what happened. And then you went, you wayward son of Beelzebub. You now went and bought another copy because, oh, your granddad missed it so much. And then you'll still be the same ones who will turn around and go, oh, you know, our parents are from a different generation. You know, they, they grew up in a different time and you're helping them to remain in that time by buying them books like 10 Little Nigger Boys. Are, are you, is everything all right at home? Clearly not. Clearly not. So um, brilliant. Um, Marsha de Cordova, who's an MP, she's a Labour MP. Uh, she is the Shadow Women and Equality uh, Secretary. And she's the member of parliament for Battersea. She, uh, Marsha wrote to Amazon, uh, which I'm glad that she did. And she says here, RE10 little nigger boy. She didn't write nigger out. She just puts an asterisk, asterisk. She wrote to Jeff Bezos, who I mentioned um, last week as well. She said, Marsha said, as the elected representative of Battersea in South London, I'm writing with uh, to you with the, with what might seem a trivial matter to you, but I can assure you that it is one that can potentially cause grave unnecessary offence to a large proportion of your customers. I was searching for books for my young nephew when I came across a stable of classic children's books based on the 10 little nigger boys listed below. I found this immediately upsetting. I'm sure I do not need to educate you about the horrible history of the word, the brutal attitude it described and the legacy of those attitudes in on today's world to compound the offense the illustrations for the books are in themselves offensive showing characterized black children in a way that most people uh, most would accept is offensive back in two october 2017 you accepted the national equality awards from the human rights campaign accepting the awards you said amazon has more than 500,000 employees around the world and from our earliest days, we've been committed to equality in our workplace. We want our employees and the communities where we operate to embrace that we are all human, we are all different, and we are all equal. How does this statement tally with the deliberately offending uh, with the deliberately offending 1.2 million Black people, and I dare say countless people from other backgrounds, by selling such a clearly upsetting product? I know you have spoken out personally about racism and hate speech in the past, and so I hope you will act swiftly to remove or at least edit and place warnings on these um, series of books. Free speech is a right that we all have and the censorship of books is not a road anyone wants to go down, but free speech does not come with caveats, uh, does not come without caveats. We don't have the freedom to do harm to others while exercising that speech. But more importantly, the freedom to offend someone is not a duty. We can choose to be considerate of other people. I can imagine you may make the argument that this book of historical import is of, is, why am I reading like a wayward, wayward you? I can imagine that you may make the argument that this book is of a historical importance and shows social attitudes of its time. And while this is undoubtedly true, the way it is displayed on your site makes it look like any other classic child's book. Whereas books like Mark Twain's classic, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, use similar offensive language. Their aim is not to demean, to demean or infantilize an entire race of people. Mm, okay. Um, Christie's book was based on a racist poem, which basically counts down the deaths of 10 black children in gruesome ways, undoubtedly referencing the lynchings of black men that were prevalent in the USA in the last century. Several of the books below take this theme and run with it. Even later editions of Christie's books were renamed and then there were none. 
During this time of lockdown, many people of all ages and from all backgrounds will be using Amazon, the world's largest bookseller, and the other online sellers to browse for and find new books. I therefore urge you to remove these books from the site and to ensure that books containing this offensive material are not sold in the future. I look forward to receiving a response. Yours sincerely, Marsha de Cordova. Now, I just think that that was, um, you know, pretty much well said. I'd say, yeah, overall, well said. Although Huckleberry Finn and Mark Twain can go fuck themselves as well. But yeah. Now, again, I just stress how wild it is. With the knowledge that we have of the way that black people are killed globally, that, you know, the overrepresentation when it comes to incarceration and police brutality um, in the US and the UK and Brazil and wherever, like around the world, you see the same thing playing out. So these things are happening and people are still out here buying a book that is uh, talking about basically lynching these um, black boys. Like that, do you know how sinister that is? You draw them with smiling faces walking along and it's just, and it's from this perspective of yes, and this white person is going to kill them all. Ha ha ha. That makes me so scared. And it just is, I just think it's horrible. I think it's absolutely horrible. Anyway, Amazon responded. And obviously it wasn't Jeff that responded. It's some, uh, some lady called Monica. It says here, Dear Marsha de Cordova MP, thank you for your letter to Doug Gurr regarding a book available on Amazon. He has asked that I reply to you on his behalf. I appreciate you raising your concern with us directly. We take this matter extremely seriously and have investigated the book that you mentioned. I can confirm that Amazon immediately took action and has removed books with that title from amazon.co.uk. What do you mean you've removed it from amazon.co.uk? I hope it's gone from amazon.com as well. It has to be gone from everywhere. Um, Amazon.ir, amazon.pl, amazon.ma, amazon.abc. Take it off every fucking thing. Even if you're like, oh, well, we don't have the jurisdiction, make sure everybody send a memo out. Because when Jeff is making his money and he's excited and he's telling you how more successful he is than all of you that are working for him, when he's sending out their memos, all of you receive it around the world. So make sure this gets communicated around the world. So anyway... It says here, Amazon maintains content guidelines for books. When a concern is raised, we promptly investigate it and remove products that do not adhere to our guidelines. Um, We listen to feedback and work continuously to improve our internal systems and processes. We use a number of tools to enforce our guidelines. Our services are reporting features that allow customers and third parties to flag and directly report inappropriate content. We closely monitor and respond to this feedback by removing any content on our services that violates the law of our policies. In addition, we invest in machine learning technology that helps proactively detect items in violation of our policies. We are mindful of the global history of censorship and do not take decisions about which books we sell lightly. As a bookseller, we believe that providing access to the written word is important. And this sometimes can include viewpoints that we would disagree with. This is what gets me vexed. This is what gets me vexed. Viewpoints that we would disagree with, but uh, <laughs> killing black people isn't a viewpoint. It's not a viewpoint. Like, you know, I think that they should live. I don't know. I just think that they should die. Like, 
when people send out these messages, I know that they're trying to keep it for because of their lawyers and everything. They're trying to keep it as like, you know, clean and, and clinical as possible. But all it comes across as is just fucking heartless. Racism is not a, it's not just a viewpoint, you know, it's not just a viewpoint. Like the active, the, the determined kind of annihilation of black people is not just a viewpoint. It's not just, oh, well, we can agree to, do you like that blue wall over there? Oh, I don't know. I think maybe you should paint over it. What do you think about that black person over there? I don't know. Maybe we should lynch them. Like it's not a, it's not a conversation that flows. It isn't, it isn't. You can't tell me any different So she goes on to say We are mindful She goes I also wanted to make clear That Amazon is committed To diversity and inclusion Oh fuck off Fuck off That's why All of your staff Keep um, going on strike Because you're Championing diversity And inclusion If you don't go And sit down somewhere Before Sally comes For your clerk Um, Our global company policy does not tolerate discrimination based on race, colour, national origin, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, religion, disability, age, political opinion, pregnancy, migrant status, ethnicity, caste, marital or family status or similar personal characteristics in hiring and working practices. Okay, you've listed all of that. You said bare words and you said nothing. Such as job applications, promotions, job assignments, training, wages, benefits and termination I hope this information is helpful and I'll be happy to discuss this with you in further detail Best wishes, um, Monica Arinho Okay, Monica, Mon Mon, you said nothing, you said nothing in the letter The letter is dry, the letter is ashy, I hate it, I hate it all Even the way that she's talking generally and not referring to the book properly and just talking in generalizations like oh yeah this is the action we take with you know things and we've taken it down and you know let that be that that book which we shall we shall not name you could also have put asterisk asterisk when you were talking about it too but okay fine you don't want to get yourself in trouble fine whatever i just think that this is not the um approach that we should be having when it comes to things like this and i kind of hate the way that like people have to talk when dealing with these issues. I feel like Marsha definitely dealt with this as best as she could, but it's the way that, oh, I understand that you've done this. And I understand like, you've got to be so kind of, you know, you've got to placate and, and, and pander to these people, which I hate. I just absolutely despise it because why do you have the book on your site? You pussy Clark, take it down would have been my, my email. There you go. Thanks. That's it. But, you know, whatever, whatever gets the job done is what matters. It's just funny that he's even winning equality awards when the staff are complaining left, right and centre. Like, how can there really be equality awards that you're winning when you're about to become a trillionaire? Like, something wasn't equal about the way that you got there. But that is none of my business, okay? Okay. It's just wild. I just felt that I share that with you. Um, and obviously I'd love to know your thoughts as well. So you can hashtag say your mind pod or at say your mind pod and let you let me know what you think about books like these being out there and people just thinking that it's perfectly okay and that it's just another part of history. And that's not to say like to take them away because we're trying to erase that history. It's just like there's ways, there's there's ways to go about all of this stuff, but whatever, whatever. I think the way that they like to put warnings on everything, because when I was um doing my essay for um 
it's not okay to feel blue. When I was doing my essay for the anthology, when editors were looking at it, they were like, oh, maybe we'll put a trigger warning here that you talk about racism. So we could put a trigger warning for me talking about racism, but there are people out there, they're men who don't want to put a trigger warning that this is racist content. You want We can put trigger warning or um, suggest putting trigger warning that I'm discussing racism as if that should have a trigger warning. Um, weird. But we're not going to put a trigger warning about this book because if you're going to allow these books to be out there, then you need to label them as what they are. Contains elements of racism. Let's do that. That should be a, a new label that we can put on things. Um, so yeah, that was my first So You Mad. And my second So You Mad is the NHS. Um, well, the government actually, not the NHS, but the government basically saying that bereaved families of migrant NHS cleaners and porters will not be in the leave to remain scheme which I think is disgusting. So I'll just read you a bit of that. It says NHS porters and cleaners and social care staff have been left out of a home office scheme granting families of health workers indefinite leave to remain in the UK if they die of coronavirus, it has been revealed. The fact that this is like the trade-off is making me feel so sick also. Oh, don't worry that your frontline staff and our NHS heroes, if you die, we'll let your family stay here. We won't kick them out. You're all fucking liars because we saw what happened with Windrush. You're all fucking liars and you're pricks because you'll only remember that you said that for maybe one year and then after that, you'll be chasing them down. When it's time for them to get healthcare or to get this and to get that or to get housing, you'll be like, who are you again? No, we don't know you. Um, The person that, you know, you got it, you got your indefinite leave to remain um, on, you know, from they're dead. Oh, well, well, oh, well, well, looks like you're going home. So oh, let me readjust. So I don't believe them for one second. And it's the fact that it's even indefinite leave to remain. Motherfucker, give me my British passport. If, if that's what we're doing, if that's what you think that this is how all of this is going to run, then give me my motherfucking British passport then. And then, and then we can, we can go forward with all of this. But the fact that it will take a family member dying, um, to get you indefinite leave to remain because they have basically been forced into a situation where they are taking care of um, people who are um, suffering from coronavirus and they end up contracting it themselves. I just think that it's just all a bit mad. It's all a bit mad. But what makes it worse is the fact that even within there, within this um, situation, you've now gone, oh, but you cleaners and porters and, you know, the, you social care people, no, you're not getting any of that. But And you need to ask yourself, who makes up the demographic of the cleaners and the porters and these social care um, workers? Who makes up that demographic? Is it not black and brown people? Yeah, working class black and brown people make up that specific demographic, you know. So again, you're still finding a way to really, really um, keep your racism going, even when you're trying to cloak it in. Oh, look at us. Clap, clap, clap. Clap for our frontline workers. Clap for our heroes. Stop fucking clapping. Stop fucking clapping and do something. Do something meaningful. Do something tangible. Yeah. I feel like the next Thursday at 8 p.m., everyone should just stand on their balconies or at their windows and say, fuck Boris. Fuck Boris. Fuck Boris. Just say, that is it. That is what everyone should be saying at 8 p.m. because maybe that will get it through to this guy that we're not happy with the way that things are going because you man are rolling up onto your balconies with your pots and fucking pants and sometimes even a rascal trumpet you're rolling up thursday 8 p.m bang 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 bong 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 do 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 
What is that doing? What is that doing? Because look, they're passing, they're, they're putting forward schemes that actually they're, they're of no real benefit. People have to die for this to, 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 to be triggered, for this to go, you know, to be actioned. They have to lose their life. Do you not understand how mad this is and how this is being done in your name, in your clap, clap, clapping name? This is what's being done. They have to die from this in order for their family to even have indefinite leave to remain. So they're like, well, you know, you better pray you die so you can get your family what they need. You know, it's mad. It's actually mad. And it's even more mad that they're like, oh, well, even within the scheme, we still don't want these poor black and brown people to be able to benefit from it. We don't want these little rats to still be able to stay here. It's so it's so filled with contempt. I don't know how it's not being clocked. So Thursday at 8 p.m., I feel like Yes, celebrate the NHS, but at the same time, still be like, fuck Boris, fuck this government, because what they're doing is wild. It's absolutely wild. And it's it's not going to benefit us as a community. So in this piece, it even says, um, the exclusion of some of the NHS's lowest paid workers, many of them employed by private companies under outsourcing arrangements, was was branded an outrageous scandal. Some 8% of social care home workers are foreign nationals from outside of the EU, while non-UK nationals are also strongly represented among the ranks of hospital cleaners, porters, security guards and catering staff who are regarded as key workers but do not qualify for the bereavement scheme. One NHS cleaner from Nigeria, a mother of two who gave her name only as Catherine, Guan Catherine, um, said she had been in the UK for 10 years working on a rights to remain visa, which had to be regularly renewed nude. She said it was hurtful to know that she was being treated differently from colleagues working alongside her at the hospital. I love my job, but it's been incredibly dangerous for all of us working in the hospital, she said. We've all come together as a family to fight this virus. So many colleagues have lost their lives and it would make the world of difference and give me peace of mind to know that if something happened to me, my children will be able to continue their life together in their home as a family. Um... That really hit me because Auntie Catherine shouldn't be, you know, resigned to the fact that she could die and, you know, that's okay because it's not okay. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't be losing people the way that we've been losing them. And even another thing that I forgot to say last week when I was talking about um, Belly Mujinga was the fact that you've got people like David Lammy out there who hasn't said anything about the horrible, horrible things that have happened to um, his fellow black um, female, um, well, he's the black female MPs, Labour MPs. He hasn't said anything. He hasn't spoken up about how wild that Labour report was. He's kind of just kept quiet, but he now decided to get his Twitter fingers going and talk about, oh, well, Belly Mujinga made a big sacrifice for all of us. And black women and sacrifice, fuck that term. I don't want black women to continue sacrificing every day, every day, sacrificing womanhood generally, every day, sacrifice, sacrifice. I'm not a lamb. I'm not a sacrificial lamb. Fuck that. Fuck it. Fuck it in the eye. Fuck it in the ear. I'm not a sacrificial lamb. Belly should not have had to die. If her 
workplace if their employers had taken the necessary steps if they just used their fucking heads and not even their heads because they were using that to work out costs if they'd used their hearts if they felt from their hearts and they'd made these decisions based from a heart space they would have known to provide their um, employees with a protective wear they would have known to do all of this so belly wouldn't have had someone fucking spit in her face like all of that would have been covered already but they didn't bother you know it was just like well you know it is what it is and usually the people that we're seeing that are doing these jobs are black faces you know and that is what is so wild about it and so you're now talking with your black face and your stupid lips talking about oh um well you know she made a sacrifice that we must never forget she shouldn't there was she didn't make a sacrifice because she didn't want to be there she didn't want to be there she shouldn't have been there in the first place you know she was already in a vulnerable group like she had um I think she had respiratory um, issues already prior to this. So she shouldn't have had to be at work in the first place. But the way these employers are set up is the fact that Belly still had to come in, still had to do her job. Even after my guy spat in her face, she still had to go back on the concourse and continue working. Like black women's bodies, black women are not respected. And it's just like, you know what? It's okay. You can be, you can be our sacrifice. We Nobody needs to be sacrificed. How about that? Nobody needs to be sacrificed. And black women are tired of being the ones to, be sacrificed stop it every time let's call on black women black women will do it and that is one thing that got me again i'm going to come off tangent in a bit about the whole joe biden situation yeah everyone's saying like the comment that he made when he was speaking with charlemagne the gnome is that um you know this is the reason why he needs um he should have um, a black woman vice president Oh, because a black woman should now come and pick up the pieces. Why don't you just have a black woman president? Why is it that, oh, we want a black woman to fix all of the things, but we don't want to give her all of the power. Let's just have her one step or a few steps back. She can do it from there. We don't want to give her all the power. Fuck that. If you want black women to fix things so much, give them the space, give them the titles, give them the platform to do the Ross Clark thing. Stop trying to make it out like, yeah, we want your expertise. We want your your endless kind of capacity for, for creating and and for enduring come and bring that to the table and come and do this no fuck that fuck that no more sacrificial lambs 2020 fuck that fuck fuck it so that's why it just gets me that you know there are black women out there who are now just becoming resigned like Catherine becoming resigned to the fact that yeah I might lose my life but as long as we can guarantee that my children We'll be able to stay together and they'll be okay. I can firm it. She should, Catherine shouldn't have to firm it. All these NHS workers, you know, the porters, the cleaners, the housekeepers, um, the, 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 you know, the, the cooks, everyone, the security people, nobody should have to firm the fact that, you know, this might happen to me because of the incompetence of this fucking government. Or we're talking about all of this, like, ah, uh, people are coming together to fight coronavirus. People are doing this. People, are, you would not have to, Korokoro would not be so strong Korokoro would not be benching 180 kg now and be doing what it's doing, rolling through the streets like a bad bad man. Yeah, if this government had done what they needed to do as precautions, as soon as they knew that there was an issue, they did not do anything for three months. They had their fingers in their assholes and they were doing fuck all. Yeah, that is why we're here. It's of no other reason. It's not because um, Corona can't be dealt with. It's not because you know. There isn't a way to deal with all of this. No, it's just because you've got a fucking incompetent government. And I just think that it's sickening that even with everything that's happening, people still have time for racism. It's just like, oh, the world could be ending, but racism. 
racism. Like they, they love to sip from their cup or slurp from their cup of racism. Like they need to be recharged all of the time. And I just don't get it. Like, why is everything just so fucked? What, what is this? What is this? You know, if you're not going to let everybody that has to be subjected to this uh, virus and they work in hospital, if, uh, hospitals, if you're not going to let everybody have all of the things, uh, what you claim to be benefits, although I find it rather morbid, if you're not going to let everyone have everything, then you can go fuck yourselves and you're all pricks. Yeah. And I feel like Preeti Patel and her stupid self, she's also in the mix of all of this as well. So the, I guess when you vote like a mad person, this is what you end up with. This is the society that you end up with. But it just makes me furious to know that people are rolling like this and thinking that it's perfectly okay. So that is that for So You Mad. No, it's not that for So You Mad. I'm such a liar. I've got um, one more something, something. My um, last So You Mad. What time am I on? Wow. Almost an hour. My last So You Mad is um, these two Nigerian news outlets. Both put out um, news pieces or articles I just thought that they're clearly mad and they have nobody to tell them so the first one is the nation Nigeria where they wrote about Tenny Tenny Ola who's the singer I go slap for the police for your kiss or I go, uh, uh, for your kiss so she's I like her song anything you want baby hey for your kiss oh singer singer top entertainer Tenny. So they write here, 27-year-old Teniola Apata is widely known as Tenny Entertainer and Tenny Makanaki on the music scene. The rotund graduate of University of Georgia doubles as a songwriter and recording artist with at least 10 hit songs to her credit. Now, (laughs) I hate Nigerians because what the fuck? Like you're writing about this girl's career and then out of nowhere, you're just like the rotund entertainer. Like, are you fucking mad? What is her body? What is her shape, her size got to do with anything that you're saying? And then to use the word rotund, it's so vile like and it's so Nigerian that it really really sickens me like the laugh is from a place of just sheer kind of just being incredulous to what what is this what is Nigeria can somebody please let me know what Nigeria is because at the moment it feels like a circus what the fuck is this like you're talking about someone and you just felt the need to like write rotund Rotund. And you can't tell me that they were using it to refer to her career or anything like that. Like they're referring to her and they felt like that was perfectly okay. The rotund graduate of University of Georgia. Like I don't, I really don't get it. And this is what Nigerians will do. Like they want to give you like this complex about your size, your skin color, all of these things. And you have to have a really strong kind of settled and grounded disposition to not be knocked by it. One of my really, really good friends, Diana Yakini, she's an actress. Um, and she's, you know, she does quite a lot in Nigeria um, and as well as various places. She's a brilliant actress. Um, I directed her for um, one small piece that we did. And I just knew in that moment that we're going to have to work together on something bigger. 
But Diana is um, amazing And Diana is a dark-skinned black woman And she's told me that she's been on a film set before And when they were sorting out the lighting This was in Nigeria Nigeria where everybody else is black like you um, Although different shades of black or whatever Some artificially lightened But that's for another day That's for another day Um, So Diana's on this film set And they're setting up the lighting and everything And somebody turned to her and they were like Ha! Um, Omo, you black or... Ah, you are black. Ha! Omo, oh, oh, dudu go, ah! And they kept doing... (laughs) If you hit... If you hear Diana do it, it's actually mad because you can really envision, you can really see, you can see with your eyes the kind of person that would be stupid enough and just horrible enough to say such a thing. And oh, this one's oh, it's gonna be a real problem to like this one, or ah, oh my, you black, sha. Like they just felt like it was okay. Like you can give someone a complex about that. I think that I don't know if she still got the videos up, but she used to have videos. Um, she had a video about it on YouTube. I'll see if I can find a link, maybe, and I'll put it on Twitter. But um, what with her permission? But you know, I just look at that and I just think. This is an incredibly talented actress who isn't getting the roles and the things that she deserves because this country and this these industries are so particular and they don't see how their minds have been colonized to be like, oh, well, we only want light-skinned um, girls. We only want light-skinned girls to play these roles, even though this light-skinned girls has the, um, has the acting um, ability of um, a ceiling fan. They would rather that than have, oh my God, a dark-skinned black woman play the role and play it well because, oh no, black women can't be desirable. Dark-skinned black women can't be desirable. So when I saw this, it just made me think When they wrote that about Tenny, I just thought See, this is what I'm saying, like, you lot are fucking mad Like, what is this? Rotund graduate Of the University of Georgia, you could have just put The University Georgia of Georgia graduate You didn't need, the rotund bit was so Unnecessary, but it's another way of them Firing shots to just kind of be like Well, this is what we think but, you know, big up Teniola because she's still smiling and she's minding Her business and, um, and of course The piece was written by A man um, Benga is his name But you know it, it is what it is And you're interviewing her Like it's an interview That they've done with her And that is how they started Maybe they were just Trying to get clicks But I just think it's disgusting The way that people talk About black women's bodies And then the The other news outlet Is the Guardian Nigeria um, There's a piece there That says um, What to do When your wife starts to cry it is a universal fact. This is written by someone called Bishop Charles uh, Charles Iwele. I think it's Iwele. It's not Igele, but Iwele. Anyway, again, another bishop, another madman, another madman. These pastors and bishops and all sorts, they have so much to say when it comes to women. But when it's them now, after they've been flinging their, um, um, their allegedly sanctified penis around everywhere, They'll now turn, uh, get on the pulpit and they'll be like, forgiveness is what Jesus Christ asked of us. We must forgive if we are to enter into the kingdom of God. Into, I want somebody to repeat with me. We must forgive if we are to enter into the kingdom of God. Okay? 
And why is he preaching that? Because his wife has found the fifth person that he's cheated with. There is nobody that loves to preach about forgiveness more than a pastor who aggressively and consistently cheats on his wife. That is all they know. They'll know every sermon to do with forgiveness. But when you ask them to know the sermon to do with fidelity, to do with loyalty, they don't know that one's wives. Submit to your husbands But they all They know all of that But they don't, they don't know The rest of it For They get amnesia When it's time to recite The rest of the passage They only know the ones That are, that that, that um, tells women To just be listening To be following Their wayward ways Pricks Anyway um, He writes here It is a universal fact That women cry More easily than men And this gets on Many husbands' nerves Many do not know what to do with a crying wife. What many men can hardly tolerate is the reason for the tears is too um, if is it um, when the reason for the tears is too minor or looks childish. What some do is walk out or quarrel more with words such as "stop crying like a baby." Now, tell me why exactly you're crying. Give me just two reasons why you're crying, in the absence of which I will conclude that you are just shedding crocodile <laughs> that you are just shedding crocodile tears. Every little thing, cry, cry. You better grow up and stop behaving like a baby. What gets me about what he's written here is that I know that that's how he speaks to his wife. I know that that's how he speaks to his wife because the way he wrote it was such a vim and he wrote it with such accuracy. You know that that's how he speaks to his own wife. He then goes on to say, with words like these, the tears increase, sometimes coupled with... <laughs> sometimes sometimes coupled with screams when some husbands try to force themselves to hold their crying wives they only hold her physically and not emotionally with words like okay it is enough i say it is enough you are still crying you want neighbors to hear i say it is enough Uh -uh. i refer to these types of husbands as miserable comforters job 16 verse 2 every male married and unmarried should know that god wired the man and woman differently and that is where Bishop Iwele needs to shut the fuck up because I really struggle when um, pastors or people, religious leaders try to come with things and claim that it's natural when actually it's just um, societal conditioning. We're not wired differently. Men are emotional. We know that they're emotional because when they don't get to express those emotions in um, a conducive manner, they start wars. They murder people. You know, these things happen. They show those emotions through violence. So don't tell me that men aren't emotional when all of the the wars that are happening in the world right now have been started by men. Maybe if you just let men cry sometimes, we wouldn't be dealing with all of this fuck shit. Look at the way men are even dealing with this Kurokoro virus. Look at how they're dealing with it. Because you've put people in power that spent most of their lives in boarding school. They don't know the beauty of being held and being loved and all of that. They don't know. You know, they they don't have interaction with their families. They don't know any of that. And then now they're in charge of the lives of millions of people. How are they going to do? Of course, they're going to fuck it up. Of course, they're going to fuck it in the ear because they don't know. They don't know what it is to have compassion and empathy because they've been so far removed from it. 
So saying that men and women are wired differently is just some bullshit. And it's also another way of trapping women into this sacrificial lamb role. Oh, women want to be mothers. Oh, women, you know, want to stay at home and just, you know, be selfless and always giving. Women want to do this. So then lo and behold, you meet a woman that isn't maternal in the way that you claim that she should be or you've expected her to be. Some women don't want children. That doesn't mean that they're wired differently to other women. They're just another woman that has her preferences and her choices and they're allowed to make that. But to be like, oh, you're not a woman because you don't want this or you're not a woman, you're not, you because, da, da, da. fuck off. Because all of these things that you're saying are actually myths. They're actually mythological. Let women be who they want to be and let men be who they truly want to be. You've got men out there walking around with little pieces, like little pieces, little pim, 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 Pieces of poo in their assholes. They've got pieces of poo. <laughs> God, they've got pieces of poo in their assholes because they're scared to touch their own bum holes. That's what you've done. When we talk about the people disassociating from their bodies, this is the unhealthy way. Yeah, I've been listening to lots of texts that teaching me various ways of um, looking at words and and um, analyzing and words and things like that. And I've got a whole other premise for when we talk about disassociation and things like that. But when we're looking at it in this, in in this context, so many men are scared to interact with their own bodies. Cis men, most cis het men, most especially scared to touch themselves because they don't want to, oh, I don't want to be seen as gay because to show yourself any compassion is only a feminine trait and thus gay if you do it and you're a man. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. And that's why statements like these are violent. And if you go to a church and this is the kind of thing that your pastor is saying, you need to get a refund on all of them tithes that you've been paying and go elsewhere because this is mad. So anyway, he says... um, where does he go from here? They're wired differently. Some of the differences are genetic. For example, there is more water in the female blood than in the male blood. All right. Okay. Whatever. Whereas the red blood cells through which oxygen is supplied to the body are more in the male than in the female. You said that you're a bishop. You didn't say that you were a professor of biology. So can you stick to your own lane? Because this is what a lot of pastors like to do as well, that they think that they know everything and they'll be throwing bare words around and you know nothing. Shut up. It goes, women are more delicately wired emotionally than men are and are supposed to be handled with care. They put almost all their emotions into everything they do or say, while men put more of their brains. I think he thinks he has a point, but he doesn't. Um, the reason that you might think that men put more of their brains is because they're not allowed access to other parts of their intuition and um, other tools that they possess to actually make these decisions. And that is what's so sad. Like they have denied the divine feminine within themselves. And that is why the world is suffering. So yeah, that is why the world is suffering in the way that it is mad patriarchy prick. So, um, Yeah. Love means so much to the normal woman. She gives out so much of it through carrying of pregnancy, baby care, cooking, etc. She therefore expects her love tank to be constantly refilled by her husband through sweet words, appreciation and tender care. You can fuck yourself over a bridge. You can go and slow wine on a knife. If you think that I'm going to do pregnancy, cooking, cleaning, childcare, all of that stuff, only for you to come and fill my love tank with words of appreciation, I 
will stuff your words of appreciation down your throat, you motherfucker. Wow. Try it. Just look at the imbalance there. Oh, all, all these, all the woman needs is just, you know, these kind words and, you know, she's ready to go again. She's ready to break her back in order to hold the rest of the world on it. No, we're not. Everyone get off black women's backs. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. Okay. So, um, he just goes on and he's like blaring on for ages and he thinks he's really making points. Like you can see him thinking like, you know, points were made. And, um, he says here, I also find the term delicately wired really funny because we know that Lana Del Rey was referring to herself as delicate. Oh, I'm just so delicate. And, you know, I just want to make music about abuse and, you know, sometimes pedophilia. I just want to make my music, but these little blackies are dominating the charts and it's just upsetting me so much like shut up Lana you dickhead delicate when you were arguing with Azealia Banks you told her to pull up you told her to rascal up pull up there is nothing delicate about that and even the word delicate is so loaded when we think about white femininity and this alleged purity that they have the monopoly on it's absolutely mad. You're not delicate at all. You're, you, those fillers might be getting to your head. They might be dissol- dissolving into your bloodstream and affecting your brain capacity. Behave yourself. Don't ever try it. And don't ever, ever mention Beyonce or any of them girls. You can mention Doja Cat. Don't care. Don't mention any of them girls again. Yeah. Keep their names out of your mouth and focus on your. That's the music you make. Go make your music and shut the fuck up. Okay. Thanks. And I, I feel so mean because I actually liked a couple of Lana Del Rey songs, but after I saw the way that she was moving, I'm just like, you know what? Shut the fuck up, Elizabeth. So anyway, back to this guy and his um, use of delicate. Again, women, delicate, delicate, delicate. It's so funny when you want women to be delicate and at the same time, you want women to be strong and do absolutely everything in that household and in the world. It's a really weird story that we're being told and it's all intentionally meant to be confusing so nobody knows really why they're asking so much of women but they'll keep asking women to do all of these things anyway I hate it all I hate it he then goes on to say um where is it So he says, love is a very delicate thing. It is very tender and should be delicately handled. As far as the marriage arena is concerned, no wonder in Peter, in 1 Peter 3 verse 7 says, likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto a weaker vessel and heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Weaker vessel. Could men, could these cis, um, cis men carry a child? Could they? Could they have a baby? Could they? Weaker vessel. Have you tried pushing um, a baby out of your um, vagina? Have you, have, you, uh, have you tried it? Have you tried it? These are men who, when they have a headache, the whole world needs to stop. But you want to talk about weaker vessel. You could never, bitch. You could literally never behave yourself. It says, take note of the words according to knowledge and weaker vessel. The word weaker vessel simply means delicate, tender, sensitive, just as the woman's body is delicate, tender, and sensitive to physical assault. That is how her emotions are also delicate, tender, and sensitive to verbal assault. She therefore cries easily due to words of or actions that she may think are um, that you that she may, uh, that the man may think are not important. Women cry when they feel their spouses are not sensitive, loving or caring enough. They cry when they feel the burden is too much. That is how they are. And there is nothing any man can do to make them behave like men. 
Oh, God. Honestly, if this is your bishop, get rid of him. Like, fire him. Fire him. Stop giving him money because his crocodile shoes are too long. They love them crocodile alligator shoes. His alligator shoes are too big for him. He's doing the most right now. He needs to stop. I can't even bother to delve into all of the inaccuracies and how crying is a woman's arena and not a man's because we already know that this is bullshit. Like, it's just absolute bullshit. And I, I this is... It's just, it's just crazy. It's absolutely, oh God. He finishes it then with, with this understanding, I would suggest to the male folk that when next and whenever your wife cries, hold her, pet her and wipe away her tears, whether you feel like doing it or not. Do this whether you understand why she's crying or not. It's not, it is not fair for a real man to walk out on a crying woman. Love you. Oh, well, at least you can show, you know, show love. That's, that's cute, isn't it? And in my Nigerian mind, I understand what he's trying to say. It's just so marred and tarnished with so much inaccuracy, um, um, all based on gender constructs that are a fallacy and they're really rather detrimental to all of us collectively. That's what makes it such a problem. Like everyone should be considerate of other people's feelings. Like we should all be considerate of each other's feelings and fucking hell, if anybody's crying and you know that you can hold space for them, definitely, definitely do, especially if you're partnered with them, at least, you know, try to be there for them and be present in that moment. I just... Yeah, I don't get, I don't, I, sorry, Bishop Higihaga, I can't um, help you here. Everything is wrong. You're wrong. Please stop. It's all right. Just don't talk. But the fact that Guardian Nigeria is publishing this and they're just like, yes, he's made points. Whoo, points were made. If this is what we're dealing with in Nigeria, no wonder so many things remain upside down. We need a counter um, argument to this piece that he's written. And if the Guardian Nigeria want me to write it, I'm so happy to, because I will tell them the things. And actually, I'm I'm not happy to, because when Nigerian Twitter jump on in your mentions, you won't know rest. You I, I don't want it because the ignorance sometimes is just too wild and I'm and I'm not about it. So, yes, that is finally it for So You Mad. Now, for my straw of the week, I only have one straw. Well, no, I have one straw that's got many ends. So like everybody can use it, you know, like I think five people can use the different ends of the straw. Um, the main section um, of the straw will be inserted into Boris's mother. Boris Johnson is a prick. But uh, one of the ends definitely goes to Dominic Cummings, who is um, the chief advisor to Boris Johnson, who is the pussy clerk minister. He's not a prime minister. He's a pussy clerk minister um, who, you know, regularly gives talks in the houses of pussy clerks, also known as the houses of parliament. So anyway, Dominic Cummings being chief advisor to um, Boris Johnson was one of the people who helped to draft the guidelines that we all have to follow about stay home, save the NHS, rare, 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 save lives, all of that. Only for us to discover that actually Dominic Cummings, um, living in London, decided to drive miles and miles and miles to Durham, um, over 200 miles to Durham in um, the north, 
heading to the north of England um, to go and stay with his family because he was suspected to have coronavirus symptoms and his wife had coronavirus and they would, the both of them would not be able to look after their child. So they decided to drive to, I think, his parents or something to go and stay um, in Durham um, and self-isolate there. Why that's cheeky, why that's extremely cheeky is because you told the rest of us, man, that we can't go anywhere. You can't go and visit family. That's what you wrote in these guidelines. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't go and visit family that you don't live with. Don't go to second homes. Don't do any of this. Even though we knew that Boris went to go and stay in his second home to recover from his coronavirus symptoms, he was allowed to do that. That was just said, boom, that that is what he's doing and nobody can argue with him about it. And I just thought that that was, you know, interesting. But in terms of Dominic, Cummings. He did that secretly. His wife um, is one of the editors for The Spectator. They had the cheek to write um, a piece about what life is like during lockdown. What do you mean what life is like during lockdown when you went all the way to Durham to go and stay there with family and you're going for walks places miles away from your family home in Durham, like five miles away, you're going for walks, you're doing all of that and you've been spotted out in the field and you have the cheek to say, oh, these fucking blue, what is it? These bluebells are lovely, aren't they? You have a fucking cheek to be complimenting bluebells and that are growing. You have the fucking cheek to be doing all of that when you know that you should have actually been staying in London. So what about all of the people that have family elsewhere that could have really helped them during this time that they were suffering from coronavirus symptoms? Yeah, people have followed these guidelines. People have been diligent. People have sacrificed so much to follow these guidelines that you've that you've put in place. You put them in place, but what? You put them in place for the rest of us, but the guidelines don't um, apply to you. Isn't that mad? Isn't that absolutely mad? So I've got a couple of pieces here for the, for the, um, just the extent of the madness. But the main thing that comes to my mind, what I want is, and maybe they would have done this by the time this episode comes out. I want to know how that drive was from London to Durham. I want to know all of the places he stops because I imagine he's got a sat nav in his car and I imagine that there's CCTV and all of them things. I want to know which service stations he stopped at because he, at this point when he was driving to Durham, knew that he had coronavirus symptoms. His wife had coronavirus and yet he would have probably had to make some stops at the service stations. Did he wear a mask when he stopped at these service stations? Did he do any of that? Like, I want to know these things because anyhow, he wasn't wearing a mask on his way to Durham. Not only does he needs to, uh, not only does he need to resign, but he also needs to go to jail. He also needs to go to jail because he was willingly spreading coronavirus. That is it. That, as far as I'm concerned, like he was, he knew that he had the symptoms. He didn't do anything to um, safeguard himself and other people, and that is just highly irresponsible. Especially since you are the one that drafted the fucking guidelines like fam you're the one that decided the rules that all of us need to follow was it just rules for all of us to follow but you don't have to follow it because i don't understand all right cool cool your wife's got coronavirus you are highly incapable because of patriarchy to look after your son because your wife um, is ill so all right cool you've got symptoms you say all right cool you were dropping down dropping down like the holy ghost entered you all right cool cool so you need to go to the north of england to go and stay with your family while you both get better you stayed there for what about 14 days or whatever you stayed there then you got better then you came back to london to continue work why is it then a few days later you were then back in durham again huh Answer me now. How is it then that you were back there again? 
back up in Durham. So that tells me that now it's not even a case of necessity. It's not a case that it was an emergency and you had to do what needed to be done. You've now just gone out there to be enjoying yourself and to be living life in the woodlands. That is what you chose to do. Meanwhile, everybody else, oh, you need to stay at home. But what gets me about the whole thing is that these other MPs, Boris, um, and you know how they like to say, number 10 has brought out a statement as if the door can fucking talk. They've gone, oh, well, you know, he cares about his child. Any father, a father, he was a father doing what a father should do. You all know how to be fathers now. Most times you don't even see your children because they're looked after by nannies and everything else. Like you don't even know your children. Do you know your children's middle names? You don't, but you're talking about, oh, but Jacob Rees-Mogg opening his mouth like anybody fucking asked him instead of him worrying about commas and where he wants them to be because that's the only contribution he's brought to anything. Talk about, oh, well, you know, is it a crime to be a good father? He was doing what was best for his child. You're, most times you as fathers, you're doing fuck all. Fuck all. You do couple things and it's like, oh, father of the year, father of the year. You do fuck all. Boris supporting this behavior. Oh, well, you know, he went to Durham because, you know, he needed someone to look after his child. Meanwhile, we hear that actually the wife, whatever her name is, Mary or whatever, she continued looking after the child anyway. So you, you didn't have to be up there. You wanted to be up there for the nice scenery. You didn't have to be up there because you, and your parents weren't helping because you were still looking after the child. And how irresponsible is it to go from where you are in London to go all the way to Durham to your parents and what give them the Kurokoro as well? I don't understand this level of thinking. That is why you told the rest of us to stay in our yard. So how is it that you had all the free motorway to go all the way up to Durham to go and live your best life? What the fuck? And then go up twice to go up there twice. Wow. Wow. And then Boris and all of them talking about, oh, but you know, he, you know, he's just trying to be a good father. What do you know about being a good father? Do you even know how many children you have sired? Do you know how many children you have provided 23 chromosomes for? Do you know? Do you know? I don't even know how many chromosomes, but do you even know? No, no, you do not know. You don't. But you want to talk about father, father. At the best of times, you're shit fathers anyway. So I don't know why all of a sudden oh, he, was, he wasn't doing it to be selfless. He wasn't doing it to be a good father. He wasn't doing any of that. He's just a useless guy. He's an absolutely useless guy. And it's highly irresponsible. And it's such a major lie to everybody and a slap in the face of everybody who has um, followed these fucking rules. Like me, you, I am the ultimate rule breaker. I don't like people telling me what to do. Yet during this virus, I haven't seen a single friend. I have not gone to go and see anybody's face. I haven't seen anybody. I have followed these rules diligently. Even if like I need to go and do something or drop something to my mum, like I, I, it's very, very, you know, guideline, guideline. Like I don't, I'm not playing. I'm doing what's, what has been, what we've been told to do because I don't want any wahala for myself to someone turn around tomorrow and be like, oh, it's because Kalechi didn't follow the rules. So I don't want that higgy haggah. So I've behaved myself, but I'm behaving myself. While, and the rest of you lot are behaving yourselves. Meanwhile, the people who have implemented these rules are cruising around the country doing whatever the fuck they like, because it doesn't matter. So let's say now that um, Dominic didn't wear a mask or anything protective wear when he was traveling from London to Durham, the two times that he went. But let's focus on the first time that he said that he had Korokoro symptoms. So all of this time he was traveling there. I want to know how many people he then ended up infecting by going to that, the service stations that he would have inevitably needed to stop at at some point while he was driving those hundreds of miles to Durham. 
So I hope that that can be clarified for us. But obviously they'll lie because they lie about every fucking thing. And that's why they're all trying to defend him as well, because they know that if he goes down, they go down with him. So this now that they're calling for him to resign, let's see if he does resign by the time this episode is out. I don't know what's going to happen because things change very, very quickly in these streets. But ultimately, he does need to resign. Boris needs to resign. Everybody needs to resign. The Tory government needs to fuck off as far as I'm concerned. Everybody needs to go. But I don't even know if I can take Labour and all the fuck shit that they've been doing. I don't have the answers is all I can say to you. I know nothing. I just know that I'm a baby girl. I don't know how we solve this situation because it's actually um, just incredibly wild at this point. I don't even know what to make of it. But it's disgusting that so many of us have done what we've been asked to do, made the sacrifices that we need to make in order to get through this time together. Yet the people who are meant to be leading this country continue to fail us. They continue to fail us. And so disproportionate numbers of marginalized communities are dying as a result of that. And they don't care because they're just doing their own thing. Like they don't have the answers and they don't care that they don't have the answers. They're just going to continue living their best life regardless. They're all incompetent. And I, and I just wish that they'd let one of my questions in on the daily briefings. Just let my face pop up in, in, in one of those kind of... Um, uh, video call things and you'll see how I'll deal with them but they won't ever let it happen because they will all cry real tears you know so he can suck his mom um Matt Hancock health secretary like you're the you're a major prick Matt Hancock you're a major prick because you're the one that's like oh you must all do this whenever you're at the daily briefings and you're reading from your A4 sheet of lies well we must all follow these rules and guidelines um and this is not a suggestion it is an instruction we must all do this because it is for the good of the NHS and the good of us all. Meanwhile, all of you are doing whatever the fuck you like. And your colleague is flouting the rules himself. And in fact, I love nosy people. I fucking love nosy people because basically the, the police, the Durham police were called to Matt Hancock's father's address. They were called there when the neighbor said, oh, I can, uh, not Matt Hancock's address, um, Dominic Cummings' address. They, they were called to uh, Dominic's parents' house when the neighbor saw that Dominic had uh, um, arrived there with his family to come and stay there. Do you think that they don't see the news and they know that you have coronavirus or you have symptoms and your wife has coronavirus? Do you think that they don't see it and that you've just rolled up in their town to come and stay with, you know, to stay with your parents? And Durham is fucking quiet. Like I've been there so many times. It is fucking quiet. So you will get clocked. And the police came there and they were like, oh, well, you know, you're kind of breaking the rules because you shouldn't be here and rare, rare, rare. And they talked their way out of it. They spoke to Dominic's father. And so Dominic, uh, the Durham police put out a statement that, yeah, we went to the house and we addressed this only for um, 10 Downing Street to be like, oh, that never happened. The police are lying. What? But usually you're colluding with the police. But now that the police are speaking truth to power, you don't like it. Now that the police are like baiting you up that, that day, so because now the police would need to go back on their word and say that they never visited and rare, rare, rare. They would have to um, make themselves look stupid in order to corroborate your story. And I don't think that they're going to do that. I don't think they want to do that. And I think, in fact, Durham police came back a second time and said, we said what we motherfucking said. We spoke to his father because people, a neighbor had told us that he had arrived. Okay, that's what was done. And if that's the case... All of the fines that other people have been receiving for flouting these um, guidelines, these, um, you know, social distancing um, measures, 
all of those fines and all of those um, punishments and whatever need to just be um, scrapped. They need to be scrapped because if the leaders of the com- uh, country aren't following the rules, then the rest of us don't need to be getting fines. Okay, so whoever's been received a fine, fuck that. You don't have to pay your fine because just be like, but Dominic Cummings was out here rolling in these streets. So whatever excuse is good for him is good enough for me. All right. All right, then, you know, so I just think that Matt Hancock being the um, health secretary and making these kind of um, statements to support your colleague shows that you're a pussy clerk. Dominic Cummings for not following the same rules that you implemented um, and you drafted. You can go fuck yourself and you can suck your mother. Boris Johnson for just being useless, useless, whatless rat. You can suck your mother. Like everybody in that situation that wasn't doing what they were meant to do, you can all go suck your mothers. Okay. Perfect. For those who didn't see the um, For Harriet conversation that I had with Kimberly Foster, I'll provide a link in the uh, the caption so you can actually watch the video, um, the hour long video about what we discussed. It was truly just magnificent. I really, really enjoyed it. So you can get into that and I'll provide a link to Portia's piece, I believe. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. I guess that's it for this week. Thank you to everybody who uh, tweeted along with the Pod Bible listening party. That was so fun to go back to America. When will you marry? Like, listen back to it. I just really, I just really appreciate you all. And I really appreciate being blessed with this kind of, um, ability to just entertain myself and somehow entertain all of you when I'm talking to a mic by myself. And it's not easy. Some days I don't want to be here. Some days like other things are on my mind and I still try to show up and have like a, um, a timetable to make sure that I can, you know, be diligent and, 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 and committed and disciplined to doing this thing. So thank you for all of the ways that you support me. I appreciate you all. Continue to look after yourselves. Remember to follow at Kolechnikov and at Say Your Mind Pod. Um, hashtag Say Your Mind Pod and all of them things there. Let me know what you thought of the song this week. And I guess that's it. Peace. It's the Ben's Brunani womanist Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea We are go sip it, yo Hard time scrolling for your long trots You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind